On today's episode of Taylor Mate, we are going over episodes 10 through 12 of season 2 of Friday Night Lights. So if you're not cut up to that point and don't want any spoilers, go check out Hulu, Amazon Prime, Peacock, wherever streaming apps have Friday Night Lights. Go get caught up on it. Maybe get on iTunes. But for those who are caught up, uh, we will jump right in to the two-minute drill to jog your memory to go over what just happened on Friday Night Lights. So... On episode 10 of season 2, There Goes the Neighborhood, a tornado rolls through Texas, displacing a Dylan rival from its school. The Panthers welcome their soon-to-be opponents into their school and football facility. Things get pretty tense between the programs. Meanwhile, Tim Briggins is staying with the Taylor family. Tim's presence causes plenty of trouble, including Tammy, who thinks Tim's getting too close to Julie, and her sister Shelly, to Tim. Landry is trying really hard to make Cam and Tyra a thing and having a lot of trouble doing so. Also, Buddy Garrity's ex-wife Pam is getting remarried. Next on episode 11, Jumping the Gun. Things are still tense inside the Taylor home with Shelly and and Tammy at odds. Plus, Tim has been kicked out after a misunderstanding between he and Eric. The Smash is getting all types of college love and is getting a lot of pressure to make his commitment. On episode 12, Who Do You Think You Are? Tammy is struggling to let go of Gracie as she tries to find her a daycare. Lila is involved with a Christian radio station which Tim immaturely calls into using a fake voice. There isn't a whole lot of Matt Saracen over the past three episodes, but things aren't going super well for old QB1. Carlotta is returning to Guatemala to be with her family, leaving Maddie ice heartbroken, and Smash runs into trouble at the movie theater in Dillon. So, with that being said, let's turn it over to Coach Taylor, Matt Saracen. You gonna be able to call the play? Yes, sir. 22 rocket on hit. 22. 22 rocket. I can't hear you. 22! I can't hear you. 22! 22 rocket! You're QB1 of the Dillon Panthers. Your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts. You understand me? 22! 22 rocket! Hit it, hit. What's your name? Matt Saracen! What you play? QB1! Who do you play for, Saracen? Dylan How much do you want this? I want How much do you want this? I want it! Then take it! Uh, uh. Oops, 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 oops. I'm cutting up. All right, Spencer, it is time to turn on the projector, pull up a folding chair. It's time to look over the game film. We are going four downs. We got episodes 10 through 12 of season two of Friday Night Lights. Spencer, where do you want to start? I think we're going to start with uh, our, our old favorite, Tim Riggins. Uh, season two, episode 10 opens up with Riggins at the Taylor house. Remember last episode we left off, he was running from uh, the meth dealer and Dylan. And uh, after he'd woken up with a gun in his mouth. And so then coach Taylor found him sleeping in his car outside his house the next day. So now we're just getting Riggins at the Taylor house for uh, you know, the the next few days at least until, until it blows up, but we'll get there later in the episode. But yeah, I believe we opened this episode and uh, Tammy's sister, Shelly is still there. And and Julie is also flirting, you know, Shelly and Julie are both flirting with Riggins kind of out of nowhere much to the dismay of, of Tammy. And um, 
And then we get what I think is is probably your least favorite scene of the entire series, from what I've gathered. Just, I don't know if it's my least favorite, but when I said Top last 10. week, when I said last week on the podcast that I want more characters to be interacting with each other, I didn't mean this at all. Between, you didn't mean Julian Taylor, uh, Julian and, Tim, and like Tim. having some weird friendship type thing. I don't know. Like some brother sister kind of deal going yeah i wasn't really wanting a tornado to hit mostly because a i mean yeah like it kind of regionalizes the show to i think probably not that other parts of the country don't have natural disaster but i mean you know they 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 captured the moment pretty well of yeah. it, what it what it's like to be in the middle of a tornado um, not that I've been like at a grocery store where the windows blow out and I've seen clips of it though. Yeah. So Tim protects Julie from the tornado. Say, you know, a big W there for Tim, you know, protecting Julie Taylor felt so pointless. And I know like, it, you know, it, it sets up the fact that where we're going to get into Larrabee high school, their campus is basically destroyed. So they have to use Dylan's facilities for, you know, in, in the immediate future. So that sets that up. I just think there's probably a different way you you could have like said, Hey, there's a gas leak at Larrabee and they have to use Dylan's facilities. I don't think you need this weird tornado intimate scene between Tim and Julie to really get that, get to get there. There could have just been a tornado in Larrabee, right? Like Tim and Julie didn't have to be there. That's also true. You could have but literally just like it, saved money. Like it, it felt like one of those shots where you're just like, you guys have a surplus of a budget right now, don't you? Yeah. You're Which, just, you're spending money. You're burning money right now for the fun of it. Uh, I mean, you know, by, by the end of the, by the end of it, there are, I mean, it, it does sort of foreshadow this thing where Tim protect protecting Julie is a common theme over these block of episodes. And this is the, the literal example of that um, in a physical And Julie sense. just, ru- like, not ruins Tim's life, but literally forces Eric to kick him out if she if she just speaks. like And, Ju- and the, Julie's not someone that doesn't speak out against her parents. This yeah. isn't, like, out of character for her. She, t- she tells Eric and Tammy openly what is on her mind, and she can't stick up for Tim once. Yeah. So let, 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 let's get there. Um, well, first, we have to talk. We just mentioned briefly the uh, the ping pong scene, which is among my five or ten favorite scenes of the entire series, where it's five o'clock in the morning. Coach Taylor and Riggins are just playing ping pong in the garage. Tammy comes in all pissed off for waking everybody up. And then Eric has the audacity to ask for an egg. Uh, what is it? Uh, some sort of a, an eggs that, that sandwich. egg sandwich with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with cheese and Canadian bacon. <laughs> and Tammy slams the door in his face so fast. I mean, it, that, that was a great scene. I mean, that's the thing is before this dust up with, with Julie or this misunderstanding with Julie coach was loving having Tim there. As he said, and that Reagan's boy here with our 16 year old daughter. It's like putting a can of gasoline right next to a lit mask. Look, I, he's only going to say for a few days. Look, the kid's in trouble. He needs a place to stay. What are you going to do? Huh? And you know what? I like having I another guy around you. You want to know why? Because you know, it agree. evens up the gender teams. It's sort of teams, nice. Sweetie. Riggins was, I think, you know, he fixed his cable. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a great thing to have Riggins there. Um, but then there's this party that Riggins and Julie both end up at. And Julie, of course, gets wasted when she's 16. She's 16, yes. I mean, she's isn't she a year younger than Saracen? 
Saracen says in this yeah, block that he's so. 17. You know, the ages of these high school kids never make any sense because also Riggins appears to be older than Julie's, uh, you know, journalism teacher that she was falling for last episode, even yeah. though he's not. No, I mean, it, it, everything was everything was going great, and then Julie gets trashed on Everclear or whatever, and some guy brags to Tim that he's going to hook up with him, and then Tim puts the fear of God into him and says, if you ever look at her today or tomorrow or at school or otherwise, I will end you. And that other kid's like, okay, sir. And then Riggins tries to sneak Julie back into her house drunk so that her parents won't know. And Coach Taylor finds him in a compromised position, let's say. Um, you know, not – I think Julie was trying to make something of that, but, um, you know, drunk Julie at least. Yeah, that was not – that was a very cringy scene, a very... You knew what was going to happen as it was happening, right? I mean... Very much so. It's yeah. very low on the totem pole. The one thing I like about this block, though, and kind of seeing... Before, I guess, we kind of get into Tim's later stuff, and I don't want to, like, allude or start discussing MVPs, but, like, low-key Tim is having a little bit of MVP run, like, early in this block, which, yeah. is, you know... It's it's sad that it kind of fell apart um, there at the end, but this, this is vi- we'll get to it. Well, this is vintage. <laughs> this is vintage Riggins though. Bo Miller, Tim Riggins, who does have this instinct of protecting people, and when he does it, like it makes the character kind of going back to our season one conversations. That why do people like Tim Riggins? And I think people literally just like. Look at him in this block right here in season two. <laughs> Look at him with Bo Miller. Like, this is why we love Tim Riggins. I'm like, yeah, but that's like three episodes out of the yeah. entire series. No, but, I mean, he's Riggins is, uh, I've been as critical as I think anybody could be of Riggins up to this point. But yeah, I mean, he he has a code, right? Where if if somebody is more vulnerable than him, he, you know, he kind of protects them. If he sees somebody even like Lila that is on equal or higher footing than him, then he, um, I don't want to say gets aggressive, but is less, um, less cautious. I would say with that relationship, the joke I was going to make was that I think (laughs) it's like, if anyone's going to ruin anyone's life, it's going to be Tim, but he doesn't want other people to ruin other people's lives. (laughs) Like, it's just like, as long as like he's doing the ruining, then I think he's fine. But no, I think, I think I think it's a good I think that's a good point you make. It just he's a, obviously a very you know troubled youth who uh, uh, struggles to kind of sort out his emotions. But I think to his core, there is a very good quality to him as far as just being a guy that can be a caretaker, and why so many people I think are drawn to him. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I think you finally start to see that in this episode, right? And we saw it with Bo Miller, you know, somebody that if he feels like he can help somebody, then he does that. Um, He's obviously, you know, super charismatic and everybody is sort of naturally drawn to him. Um, But unfortunately, you know, his, his last name kind of hurts him with, with people like Cammie Taylor um, and, you know, other people in the Dylan community, but, you know, he's, he kind of sticks around and just gets what he does, what he can, and everything uh, everything kind of works out. Um, well, a quick thing on this, and this is a little bit of maybe of a reach of a theory, but, like, I do think with, like, Bo Miller, 
he see he saw a bit of himself not in Bo but his bullies. He was like, "Oh, that's not right. Yeah. That that shouldn't happen to a kid." Um, with Julie, though, I don't think it's necessarily he sees himself in Julie, but um, I do think to an extent there is a little bit of a um, loyalty to like the quote unquote Dylan family as far as just like a she's Coach Taylor's daughter, and I think to Tim Score he respects the hell out of Coach Taylor and doesn't want to let him down as much as he has i know he, he, he does it a lot but i don't think he necessarily wants to but also the, the theory i also had was that julie is um julie is tyra's friend and he doesn't want to let down tyra by like not taking care of julie um so i think there's and obviously there's the tyra tim relationship it kind of comes and goes but i th- once again, I think he's very loyal to a fault to Tyra and maybe in a way that's his way of like helping her because that's one of her best friends. Yeah. Yeah. I could buy that. The one thing that bothered me about this and that we can talk about um, how the, you know, Julie's a, a coming clean to Eric. Um, I feel like Eric in, you know, if this plays out in real life, right? Like coach Taylor finds them appearing to be kissing and then kicks Coach Taylor out, or kicks Riggins out. Wouldn't Eric have gone back to Julie to talk to like debrief immediately and found that she was completely trashed? You would think like, so. The conversation the next the next time they talk appears to be the next morning. Yeah, you would really think so. I think I, I think Eric just is like really heated in that moment and you would think he would like not go yell at julie but just like be like what the heck like what's 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 going on yeah what just happened yeah once again eric is not afraid to also yell at julie as much as she's not afraid to yell at him but yeah that that is strange that he didn't do that we get after that we get this great scene where julie finally comes clean she had a couple other opportunities um but then like right before this big game against Larrabee, she comes clean to him in the hallway and he just goes, damn, Julie. Damn. And walks away. It's a great dad moment. Put it on my grave. It encapsulates (laughs) the show so well. I mean, is there, I mean, we've blamed Julie for enough things, right? But like, is this the worst thing that Julie has done to date? I, what she did, what she put Saracen through with the Swede is pretty unforgivable for me. That's fair. That's fair. I'm trying to think. I think she can, no. This could have been a life or death thing though. Like if Tim gets kicked out and has to go back to the meth dealer and he ends up killing it, like Tim could have died. This is definitely up there. This is like top five, but there's, there's worse things I can think of. It's really bad. It's really bad. So then after the game, a couple of days later, uh, Coach Taylor goes to Riggins' house. He's with Riggins is at Billy's. Um, they've kind of patched things up, but then they end up. This is kind of what you're talking about with um, things falling apart a little bit for Tim. Although they don't officially fall apart yet, but they go back. Riggins and Billy realize they need two thousand dollars for rent, and. So they go over to this drug dealer's house, knock on the door, see if he's home, realize he's not. And I guess they weren't going over there to steal money, but they were just going over there to get the rest of Tim's things because he left kind of like, I'm going to go get vodka and then never came back. But then they end up stealing $3,000 from this guy from that's taped underneath his, his nightstand. This is, I was going to say like, 
aside from stealing three thousand dollars, which you know is not a, a great thing, as you slacked to me last night saying this is a really dumb thing that Tim's doing, which I agree with. He was having such a good run through this episode, and then like you you get to that point, and you're like, that's not that's a you got to dock some points there. I think a little bit, even though I think it's like kind of funny. Like they're kind of laughing. They're just like, and it's kind of like sticking it to guy. Like I mean, you know he's probably not going to notice that money's gone for a while because it's like a a secret stash. But I'm sure when he does, he's going to be like, Oh, Tim Riggins took my money, but I don't think we really ever see Guy Raston again. Oh, you don't? I I thought he, I think he comes back. I don't remember. We'll see. He, so here's the thing that I think was dumb. I I think taking the money is fine. Honestly, like I don't want to advocate for theft, but you know, (laughs) if, if you watch the wire, I have not. No. There's a character on there named Omar. I think it's Omar Epps, and he's the best character on the show. And his occupation, which he testifies to in court, is robbing drug dealers, and it's actually a pretty honorable thing. And I feel like you know, robbing a drug dealer is if you can get away with it, it's not that bad. You know, you got to pay rent, whatever. They're in a tight spot. Of course, they're going to take the money once they find it. However. Their mistake was also taking their bag. If you're going to take your bag, they know that you, he knows that they've been, that Riggins has been there. And if he knows that Riggins has been there and his money is missing, that's not, you know, two plus two equals four very quickly at that rate. Uh, you, got, you got to sacrifice the bag. In the words of Billy, do you feel like Dylan's biggest drug dealer is smart enough to make that connection? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, this guy is our, I mean, he shows up to these, you know, uh, what was that, a volleyball meet or whatever and was taunting the crowd. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing, clearly. Um, yeah. He's just a sociopath. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Guy is stupid. Um, I, okay, it, to an extent, I think. Yeah, he, I mean, look, he's not like well-read or anything, but <laughs> I think he can figure out, who robbed him pretty quickly. Um, Probably so. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I, I feel like it could be a situation where he's, you know, on, on, on a lot of drugs and maybe isn't thinking clearly. That's all I'm saying. Do you think he does the drugs? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's typically not how it works as I understand it. I mean, look at Jesse Pinkman. Well, and that was arguably his downfall. So, we got to talk about Tyron Landry. Um, this will be a shorter down. There's not quite as much here, but it is important. Um, where does where does this start, Joe? Season two, episode ten. Where where where, where does this start with uh, with Tyron Landry? It starts with awkward cafeteria handholding, which That's boy, right. <laughs> do did I forget how much I hate that? And I'm not trying to be like grumpy, like crotchety old man, just like I hate PDA. It's just awkward, especially when it's not being reciprocated. Like it's more tolerable when both people are holding each other's hands, not when someone is holding another person's hand and the other one's per like the other person's just letting it happen. But it it's so cringy. And Landry's obviously like thinking like, hey, we got away with murder. So let's uh let's be boyfriend girlfriend now. That's literally got away with murder. Uh, my my alternate episode title for the for season two episode ten is premature handholding. <laughs> There's nothing I could say that would be better. Than that. 
There's literally nothing I could say that would be better than that. <laughs> I mean, it's just th- this whole thing is just so upsetting. I mean, this Tyra and Landry back and forth where uh, Tyra knows that Landry is good for her. And there's this scene with Julie later on um, where she, you know, is talking to Julie about Landry. And says, I know, I mean, he cares, cares about, about me. me. It's funny and sweet. Funny. Which I feel like is a roundabout way of calling him ugly. <laughs> he treats me like I'm a human. It's great. Yeah. Which uh, not many people do. Um, now, this is also looping in, uh, you know, the, the Larrabee team coming in here. But the star quarterback on, on the Larrabee team. Chip. Uh, Chip. <laughs> which is a terrible name, but it's a great, like, mid-2000s high school quarterback name. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, if he wasn't named Chip, I'd be concerned. Yeah, I mean it's and it 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 does kind of fit his personality. Um, I mean he's they just end up. Uh, he ends up hitting on Tyra. Tyra tells him no at first, and then once Landry asks Tyra to the dance, Tyra's like, you know what, I'm going with somebody else, and that somebody else is Chip, who I guess she goes back to, and then there's this. You want to talk about the cafeteria fight? Yeah, it was great. There was a lot of good kind of name calling that was going on while they were getting off the bus, but then it just ta- is taken to another level when they get into the cafeteria. He calls him Richard Simmons. He said, you know, sorry about that tornado. It must have been really hard seeing your double wide blow away, which is <laughs> a horrific thing to say to somebody, but a pretty good pull in the heat of the moment of a, you know, a fight like that. Um, I mean, yeah, Landry just goes off for, I mean, that's basically a monologue. He's just like, you know, throwing insult after insult at 10 football players. Do you think Landry feels some weird confidence because he's killed someone? Yes. He can just go and do this to anyone else? Yes. yes, for sure. Land- Old Landry would not have done this, right? But um, I, I, I don't, I was going to say, I guess maybe to an extent, like he would a little bit because he has gotten into it with Matt when Matt was getting very involved with the, the jocks to, you know, to say, um, and like, with yeah, but Kat- that's Matt. That's his friend. Well, but like, and then like the whole caster situation, um, like caster they just, sucks. they, I mean, like, I guess more so, I guess they were kind of doing it behind people's backs, but they were also with an earshot. <laughs> and so now he's just doing it to their face. It just, he's, I guess, yeah, he's graduated to this. Yes. <laughs> well, but now he is a jock. That's true. You know, I mean, that's probably funny. something else has given him confidence. I but. was, I was watching, uh, I went through a Friday Night Lights YouTube rabbit hole and it was a video from like nine years ago, which was sad because apparently you could just go visit the Friday night lights field. Now I think it's gone. Um, but the showrunner was saying that it was really a shame that Jesse Plemons had to play a terrible football player because he's actually one of the better football players on the cast. Jesse Plemons is, I mean, if you're ranking the actors, just like every act, you know, parents and everything, I, I think he's, top four on this cast i think probably the other top three are um um i'm trying to remember their actually i mean bradley lind who plays buddy kyle chandler who plays coach taylor and is it connie Britton that plays uh tammy uh yeah i mean he's in the he's in the elite tier right like he's he's top four um he gets great monologues because of it they they clearly understand that he's a better actor than like 
who plays Saracen? I don't know. No offense uh, to Saracen. Zach Guilford. Yeah, no offense Gilford. to Saracen, who's barely in this episode, barely in these first two episodes of this block. Um, the only time we see him in the first two episodes of this block is when Julie and Tam are sitting at the Alamo Freeze and, or whatever, some sort of restaurant, and Julie sees Matt and Carlotta making wow. out in the in his truck um I'm surprised how open they're being about that yeah i know I'm, it's in his car but like still like just being out in public and doing that i feel like people have to know that that, that like that's grandma saracen's like in-home nurse you know like 27 probably yeah okay we're at the school dance now everybody's dressed up tyra looks great everybody's you know all the football players and stuff are wearing their tuxes and Landry is just wearing the same crap that he – the same collared shirt with the little T-shirt underneath it that he's always worn. Didn't change a bit. He just went to the dance to tell off Tyra and didn't wasn't going to change clothes for it. Landry has this great quote where he realized – where he says, you know, I know you're better than that, and that being her date leaves her to go puke in her toilet. But the problem is that you don't, which – just sums up Tyra's character incredibly well. You know, we see that with, you know, her somewhat toxic relationship with her mom a few episodes ago as well with, you know, not letting her study and not wanting, you know, Tammy to help her with school and get her into college and things like that. Um, they just, they don't know that they're better than that um, in, in a lot of ways. And, and Landry calls that out. I think in, in some circle, you know, in, in some universes, this ends up with them together and Tyra realizes that he's right. But um, yeah, I guess not, not in this case. It kind of ties into the whole Santiago plot with like his friends Um, kind of not like, and this is kind of a deal with a lot of the people that are, you know, I don't want to say we don't really get like rich, rich kids in Dylan, like the Garrity's to an extent, but like a lot of them are just middle-class, but then you have like Tyra's family, which is just like, you know, they're, they're kind of poor. And, um, there, there's a lot of like kids that aren't privileged in the show that you see the kind of the, they see like a ceiling for themselves that, you know, can be, that is very easily moved. They just, you know, have to give themselves that shot. And like with Santiago and his friends, like they like don't want him to succeed because like they don't see a life beyond what they have right now. I think Tyra in a way is just like kind of is in that, is that mindset as well. Just like, this is just who we're, this is our role in society. It's like, we're always supposed to be poor and unsuccessful. I think that's really smart, really good call out. I mean, it's, it's the small kind of a small town mentality. That's why, you know, generations of, of people, a lot of times that live in small towns, they just, they never leave, you know, um, which, you know, a lot of them, a lot of those people are happy. So, you know, you can't fault them too much. Um, you know, I think you, a lot of people want to explore and a lot of people are, are happy, um, you know, just living where they've always lived and, and more power to them. Um, but yeah, in some cases it can get regressive, regressive. And, um, that's, that definitely happens to Santiago, um, with, uh, I don't remember that gentleman's name that, uh, Davin. Davin. That's right. It's kind of a, I feel like that's not a good character name for him, but also, are they supposed to be the same age? Because that guy looked like he was 15 years older than Santiago. Like <laughs> Santiago doesn't look like he's in high school. So. Well, that's the other kid looks like, that's also true. Uh, but that other kid looks like he got out of like real prison, right? Like <laughs> that other, that other guy does not look like he got out of juvie, which is where Santiago was. 
I have one more thing to kind of throw at you here that I that I thought of. What if Landry had switched roles with Zach Guilford? And so Jesse Plemons is now Saracen and Guilford is now Landry. Does the show still work? Is it better? No, no. You don't no, think it's I, better? I, I think that and I think that maybe this is just a product of like the movie um being the inspiration for the show but i think there's two people that can play this matt saracen type character um and it's zach who got the role obviously and it's i can't remember his name ever but um the guy that plays that version of that character in friday night lights his character in in the movie is mike winchell but there's a specific person that i think um the, the the showrunners wanted and they got the perfect person for it in my opinion Man, I just feel like, and I, again, I still have not seen the Friday Night Lights movie. They're just um, killing these balls. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to to kind of pick up on what you're saying here. But I just feel like if you're gonna like Saracen is ostensibly the star of the show, right? Like it's an ensemble cast, but I think in a is perfect he, is, is is isn't kind of Coach Taylor the star of the show in a weird way a weird way but just like yeah but usually it's about the kids but like he's kind of the focal point of everything saracen is the star of the of the high school show and then coach taylor is the star of the family drama as well as the football show where um we yeah get very little of at this point just like yeah there's no game action real i mean there's a little there's a little bit but like they've they've just completely just like we are a drama <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is an ensemble show but if i feel like if you have jesse plemons in there who as we've just we've continued to praise his acting abilities i feel like you can do a lot more with the saracen role and i definitely think that landry could have pulled off the sort of like timid kind of th- you know thing that that zach guilford does so well i i, see, I feel like Plemons. i don't i don't know if that's like i'm sure he has that gear but like i i think his like wheelhouse is kind of being the for lack of a better term, like kind of the weird, like supporting role. Like yeah. he, like he's just kind of like a really out there kid. And like, um, I, I think he plays really like that role for him plays really into well in his wheelhouse. I don't know if he's like, I don't want to, cause I don't want to say like Zach Guilford is like leading man, but like, I don't mm-hmm. know if he like really plays into the like quarterback yeah. thing. I, I guess just cause like I've seen the show so many times, like it's hard for me to imagine it a different way. That's the irony of Saracen. He sucks it. You know, Colin Cowherd's got the uh, the quarterback fish theory, right? Like all the quarterbacks are typically good looking because they are they're all the ones that got the ball. You know, got to play quarterback. You know, as a eight year old on on recess because all the other kids liked him, and it just happened. You know, that went for his whole life. I don't see how Saracen fits that mold. Um, not that Jesse Plemons does either. Can you imagine Plemons and Julie as a couple? Cause I can't personally, I think Zach Guilford and like um, Julie Taylor kind of, I think we're supposed to kind of see the parallel between them and Eric and Tammy, like just yeah. as far as like aesthetic appearance, like they're kind of similar just in terms of probably just yeah. more like hair color, but like yeah. I just can't imagine, I can't imagine Plemons and Julie in, in any type of romantic relationship. I, 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 I see your point, but I do think that if Plemons had gotten the Saracen role, he would not have some of the the character uh, traits, let's say, or man, you know, the the mannerisms that 
he does have with Landry, especially in the first season and, you know, pre-murder, they're just kind of like not very confident kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, and as we know in this episode, even Landry knows what West Side Story is, which would have, uh, which would have, you know, gotten probably impressed julie last thing i did want to say because i slacked this too and i just want to say it here but like man of, of all the characters like landry has some of the best monologues outside of eric yep. just as far as like the tyra speech um the one the, the other one that comes immediately to mind is him telling off tim riggins and the bleachers like when he doesn't want to do his book report <laughs> what like, did he yeah. say to him he said something so <laughs> funny to him i can't remember what it was now. But, he has, <laughs> but like it's just like they're like not even like you know really monologues they're just like long drawn out speeches that like <laughs> i don't think are supposed to be like super impact like a lot of it is kind of like comedic relief yeah but, like, for this one it was like pretty serious in terms that's of the, like his yeah. relationship with Tyra. That's just why I'm I'm trying to find a bigger role for Jesse Plemons in this show because I feel like he's a little underutilized, but he obviously can't play Smash and he obviously can't like nobody else could play Tim Riggins. Would he work as like Jason Street as far as like being like a very disgruntled kid who had his future taken away from him? Maybe, yeah. He's Maybe not like the, I think Street fits the like I'm going to Notre Dame to play quarterback role. Really. Yeah, <laughs> like he's not like a pretty boy by any means. Um, but I think that I I think that Jesse could probably Jesse Plemons could play into that. I think he also could like be a, a different version of Herc, but like a still pretty funny Herc. Yeah, but Herc's in the show less than Landry is. And oh, honestly, so is Street at this point. I mean, you know. We're, that, we're so. playing a game of what roles could Jesse Plemons do, and I think we're, <laughs> we've come to the conclusion that he can do a lot. He he could do, I mean, almost anything other than Smash and Tim Riggins. If he was and, uh, if he was older looking and kind of, I mean, if they looked anything remotely similar, it'd be funny if, like, he was Tim's older brother. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he fits the age range for it, but, like, no, no, no one on the show does. Um, if, if they remake Friday Night Lights in like 10 years or something, just Hulu or something decides like, hey, we're rebooting this, then Jesse Plemons is Coach Taylor, right? Like current mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons, unless I, Kyle Chandler I, wants it back. But I, I want I want reformed Tim Riggins as the head coach. <laughs> no, Tim Riggins is Buddy. <laughs> That's as reformed as Riggins would get, is that, Buddy. That's I fair. Think. That's fair. All right, third down is this uh, Larrabee tornado situation. We already talked about the tornado itself as Tim and Julie sort of uh, sheltered in place at at that uh, convenience store. The immediate aftermath of this is that um, Larrabee is coming to live with the Dillon Panthers. Um, I think this is pretty unreasonable. Uh, well, it's reasonable that they would house them, I guess. Um, it's funny that the girls' locker, the girls' soccer team, has the visitor locker room. Um, so, you know, Larry that's pretty normal. Larry, no, that's that's fine. You know, that's I'm not saying that's unrealistic. Um, I do think that Larry probably would have tried to find a, a nearby town that didn't have some sort of, you know, or that would have had an extra locker room or something that was unused. Um, I think in real life, you're definitely not, you know, moving in with the team you're going to play two weeks from from yeah. then yeah um the the thing that bothers me about this is there's just 
this other coach is such a douchebag to to Coach Taylor in front of everybody for no reason, just at every turn. Um, I know you, we, we talked about this a little bit last night off air. You don't seem to have quite as much of a problem with it. but I mean, um, I mean to, to an extent, I think that um, – I think his name is Donald. I can't remember his last name, but like the coach for Larrabee. It's Dickey. Coach Dickey. Um, yeah. He, um, I think he's playing – a long con of like trying to get in Eric's head. I, and which to, almost works. Like he called, he called the play that Eric drew up that won them the game. Basically. Uh, I mean, I guess the game well. got canceled, but um, <laughs> so I don't really know what the result was, but like uh, what I'm trying to say is just like, I think he was very much in Eric's head. Like as yeah. far as just like this entire series and um, or this entire like kind of arc, but I think it's probably it probably wouldn't be as public, um, like in front of the teams. Like when he when Eric basically throws him up against a wall and tells him like not to touch any of his players, uh, which what an amazing scene that was. Oh man, I, I that is that was just that that was something I definitely like I, I could see playing out like like in front of way fewer people than as opposed to like the entire teams like from both sides but yeah it it, it is pretty out there but i i also think texas high school football man it's just kind of like one of those things where i'm just like eh, it's texas high school football like i just give it a pass probably too easily i uh i just looked up on the friday night Lights season two wikipedia page and dylan was awarded a win uh for this game okay. which did end in disgrace for coach dickey remember uh as you said, draws up a play. There's, it's actually a pretty cool football scene where like they're going back and forth on the tactics of it. And then I guess Saracen realizes he's screwed and just throws the ball to Riggins. Um, it's just kind of like an outlet. And then, uh, coach Dickey loses his mind and goes and tackles Riggins and the game ends right then without Dylan scoring. But according to the Wikipedia, they get the 43 38 win. I just feel like, you know, coach Taylor, you know, they they bring in this team, you know, practically the whole school, and not only are they, you know, damaging Dylan's like uh, property in the locker room, but this coach is talking trash about their weight room, like in front of everybody. There's uh, a there's an insult of the week in that in that. Oh, thing. there's there's a couple. Yeah, um, the the insult of the week category is rich here. I mean, there's sometimes where we get through whole blocks with without anything as good as the fifth or sixth best insult in, in these three episodes. Um, most of which are coming from either Landry or coach Taylor. Um, although Shelly has an absolute zinger at one point um, to, to Tammy. I feel like this is such a, like a strong insult of the week group, but it was such a weak MVP class. Um, it was a weak MVP class. Yeah. So at least we have that. Yeah. Um, I guess did we just we just went through third down. Pretty, I mean, pretty much. There's there's not much to get into. I mean, the, obviously, we already talked to the cafeteria fight. Coach Dickey, like obviously, like going through a lot with his wife. Like, yes, find that um, out. Who's like going to die in three months? I think he says. But yeah, yeah, three months to live. I I'm surprised that they like. I feel like in real life, he just wouldn't have been coaching, right? Like he just would have taken a year off, probably to just be with his wife. I don't know. I, I, I could see it as a situation where he just 
doesn't really know what to do yeah. but also like his wife is probably just like just keep going on as normal like you know we'll get through this kind of thing fourth down is, is smashes recruitment slash noel um if we're going in terms of order of importance this is probably second down um even though it's kind of packed into the uh just season two episode 12 here well i guess 11 and 12 um but basically, season two, episode 11 um, opens up with Smash being recruited by Alabama. There are eight national championships. Kind of dates the show a little bit. A little um, bit. I wrote that down. <laughs> well, I think there are like 15 now. I mean, it's, uh, really I mean nice. it honestly depends on who you ask with that, with that sort of thing. Um, you know, a lot of college, a lot of colleges have some interesting ways of counting national championships um, pre 21st century. But uh, yeah, so this, you know, smash is recruiting is heating up. Got to make, he's got to make a verbal commitment. That's how it's done these days. As the radio show tells us at the beginning of, uh, of this episode. Um, and again, smash finds himself butting heads with his mom on, on the best way to do that. Him and his mom, man, like that's such a, such a hard relationship to kind of get. I like, just like, it just seems like, I don't want to say like she, I, I think both of them, I think to an extent, like neither of them understands the recruitment process at all. And they're both like, they're both, yeah. and they're both arguing in an uneducated side of the recruiting process. And it's honestly, it's a complete failure of the recruiters to not be able to connect with his mom. Like it would not take very long to figure out what she wants to hear. Right. She wants to hear about education. She doesn't want to hear about a job. Like that should be very apparent like after your first five minutes of conversation they're like if you can get me a job that's cool i guess but that's not really why i'm here uh, no one wants to talk about school i think i do think it's funny like there's the two years later we get or i guess a year no two years later we get the blind side where there's that montage of like coaches recruiting michael Orr. Yeah. And it's like kind of like in that same vein of just like, we can give you this, we can give you that. And I think that is kind of the mentality of how people thought recruiting went um, for the longest time. But I, I obviously I think there's a lot more to that. I think people understand probably there's a lot more to it. And you would think that they would pander more to, to her because, you know, I, I think as we all kind of know where, where the mom or, or like where recruits mother wants them to go is always going to be like a top three consideration. Yeah. Um, so it, it is strange that they didn't play into that more and they kind of just completely like, especially the Oklahoma tech guy, like uh, completely the grocery store, situation. just a terrible scene in the grocery store. He's just like stalking Smash's mom. That's why to, Oklahoma tech will never be an elite program, man. Uh, what did you think? I mean, again, Alabama is the only other real school that gets mentioned here. I mean, it's Alabama and Georgia tech. Maybe, maybe it's a licensing thing. Like Alabama and Georgia tech were both like, yes, please mention us on the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, doesn't Texas get mentioned or no? I think some point? TMU is supposed to be Texas because it's in Austin. Oh, it's in Austin. Yeah. So I think Texas sure. just was just like, you can't afford a, to license us. So, so smash ends up. Um, well, do you want to talk about TMU? Uh, well, shoot. No, first we need to talk about the scene with smash and Noel in coach Taylor's office. Yes. Which we disagree on here. I think so, that t I think coach Taylor gives smash bad advice. Oh my gosh. We, I couldn't disagree more. So coach Taylor 
you know, basically Noel and Smash tell Eric that Alabama's number one right now, win a national championship, would be good exposure. They get guys to the league. And Coach Taylor incredibly intelligently, in my opinion, points out that they've got a running back that's going to play two more years, right? He's going to play his junior and then his senior year and then go to the NFL. And there's a freshman backup who's going to have – who had 500 yards as a freshman and then is going to have three more years, which means that Smash is not playing for at least the first two years. I think this is three on the show, but I think it would actually be two years um, that he's in Alabama. So here's where I disagree with it, where I disagree that it's it's good advice. First off, I think Smash would, if that is the situation where they where the cupboard is very full, I think Smash redshirts his freshman year. It seems pretty reasonable. I also think that it's, I don't I like maybe maybe I don't know the the trends of Alabama football, but I feel like in college football in general, a team uses more than one running back, and there's another side to the argument because Smash hasn't been hurt yet, but for running backs and their shelf life. And this is maybe more of a 2020. We have more like data to, to look at this kind of thing, but there's less wear and tear. If you go to a school that has multiple really good guys, I don't think he'd be on the bench. Like I think that they would use multiple backs. I think Alabama in recent years has shown that they use a lot of different backs. So I don't think that he would, as coach Taylor put it, would be on the scout team as junior season. Like, I don't think that would be the case by any means. And so I think that, with the connect, like the the aforementioned connection to the NFL, like you know, Alabama's going to get you to the NFL. Um, we've seen you know lesser guys on those teams make it in the league because they played at Alabama, even if they weren't the guy. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like with the shelf life thing, I, I think that running backs should always take a route where like they're not going to be responsible for carrying the ball thirty times a game. But um, I also just think that like smash with his person kind of personality, like a school like Alabama is perfect for him because that's all they care about. And I, I know Alabama is a good academic school, but like for the most part, like he wants to be the star of the campus. And I think he can find that Alabama, especially if he's as good as we all think he is, then like, why can't he compete for the job and like become, yeah. become the guy. Yep. I think that is it, most of that was fair. Um, I do think that he would have some playing time concerns. I mean, look, it would be at least two years. Maybe that's only through his redshirt freshman season where he is on the scout team and not really playing or no higher than third on the depth chart. Maybe an injury happens. But then at a school like Alabama, you can get recruited over pretty easily as well with with younger guys could come in and just be better than him. Um, And, you know, it's further away from home. I don't know. I, I think if he ends up at Alabama, it's fine. But TMU, um, you know, where he obviously ends up committing later on this block, sort of a uh, craziest. What a crazy commitment story that is. If anybody would, <laughs> you've played some NCAA fourteen, right? Yes, a lot. So basically, on NCAA fourteen, you if you can get enough coach points, so you know if your coach is good enough to like, you know, boost your recruiting skills, so to speak, then there is a certain part of the game where um, you're recruiting every week and especially preseason. If you are leading for a prospect and you offer him a scholarship, there's like an X percentage chance, say it's 10%, 15, 20, some, some percentage 
um, where it's just an instant commit and you don't have to put any points on them or anything like that for, you know, the whole season or whatever. Um, and that's what happened here. Smash just instant committed to TMU because it was his dream school. You know, the guy was made one pitch to him and he was like, you know what? Of course, you know, it's always been my dream to play for TMU. Can I take that as a verbal commitment? Hey, y'all, the Smash is going to play for the U, baby. Which, uh, I a big moment for Smash. And, like, I think that there was an MVP candidacy for Smash kind of to this point as well. Like, it, it was, I feel like it was a weak, when I said it was a weak MVP class, like, I just feel like there were so many guys that kind of, like, could have had a shot, and then they just kind of kind of completely blow it. Maybe if the blocks are realigned, like, this is a very easy, like, decision, but there's just, like, some things that go on in, like, episode 12 that kind of uh, make make you second guess, but, like, it, it's really good for Smash. Like, he's he's kind of finally getting what he wants. He, there's that really good moment between him and his mom where he brings flowers home and tells her that he's committed to TMU. Yeah, really nice it's, moment. It's really heartfelt. There's another Smash element that we need to talk about here. Um, Smash and Noel start dating, and we get this just, I don't know, is it is awkward the right word? I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, we're necessarily <laughs> qualified to talk about the, the the racial dynamics of just everything that goes on at this dinner where all the parents basically say like we're not comfortable with you guys being in an interracial in an in an interracial relationship um i, mean, I just, think do you think that uh corinna williams doesn't like the relationship because she doesn't like noel or do you think it's also in the same vein of noel's parents no i think it's i i think um i think smash's mom doesn't like it for not the same reasons, but I mean, the, I, I don't think it's personal with Noel. Maybe it is because Noel is doing this recruitment thing pretty heavy and she doesn't like that. Um, but she doesn't really know anything about Noel, right? Like she just, she knows that like, he's very, I mean, she's very involved in like what he does recruitment wise. Yeah. I, I don't think she likes the way that she's basically become his de facto agent, which right. she kind of is right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of like, a, I don't know, just like something that I've never even had to think about. Right. Like it's, I mean, that's, that's the privilege of it all. Right. That, um, you know, just like a really tough scene, I guess. Um, I mean, it, it definitely shines like kind of a light, like I, and I think it would probably, I don't know if this would happen in 2020, but I do think like in a small Texas town, you could, you could sell me on the fact that like there are going to be people in this town that don't agree with this. And yeah. Um, it, it, well, it, and we see that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which like, it's just, it kind of, you know, takes you into a different world almost. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, uh, it's, I mean, once again, the show does a really good job, I think with social commentary. And this is kind of another thing that like is an issue that still very much unaddressed. And I, I'm glad that they kind of bring it up, but like, um it's it's kind of strange that um things i mean not strange but like these things keep happening to smash where like his like his place in society is kind of questioned because of his race yeah um, the writers i mean that, that's a lot of what smash 
deals with but i think that's also probably a byproduct of what a lot of black americans deal with yeah and so maybe it's not strange at all maybe it's just this is this is a normalized thing that very much needs to like change i'm not trying yep. to go too much on a rant but like i do think that like it does show like a shine a light like this is literally like this isn't just like a one instance kind of thing and this is consistent like with his like his his life basically I, I did think it was interesting. I mean, how smash at that dinner table says, you know, no times have changed. Like it's, a, you know, things are, things are better now. And I feel like that is the same thing that, you know, some of the same um, words that we heard, you know, use after, uh, you know, the protests in this country the last few weeks. I mean, with, or I guess months now um, where, you know, things have gotten better over time, you know, since, um, and, you know, John Lewis died this past week, um, you know, since, since John Lewis was fighting, um, but they're still not where they need to be. Right. I mean, that's, and I think that this, you know, sort of shines a light on the fact that this is still an issue in a lot of areas, just as it was 15 years ago. Um, I don't know. I probably could have been more eloquent with how I said that, but um, I think you were, I think you're spot on. We alluded to it, but the movie theater, um, these kids are, well, he ends up going on a date with a third wheel date with his sister. Sister is sitting a row behind him um, and is being taunted by these racist teenagers. Um, and that situation just sort of boils over, unfortunately. Um, Smash ends up punching the kid. The kid's like, I didn't do anything to him. Yes, you did. <laughs> Surprised that he didn't say like my dad's gonna sue you or something like that. Oh my god! They, I mean, honestly, that would have been that, that's kind of a missed opportunity that they did not have that character said that. I mean, he said, "What did he said something awful like uh, you got one of ours, so why shouldn't we get one of yours or something?" I mean, just some yeah. absolutely horrific thing to say to another person. Uh, I don't know, but. It's a, as I say, man, like it was just, it, you could kind of get the vibe from like when they're buying popcorn and stuff like, oh, this is not going to go well one bit. Yeah. You kind of, and like, once again, on the rewatch, like you kind of forget about these things happening and they kind of sneak up on you like, oh, things are going really well. <laughs> Maybe I should like be uh, more cognizant that probably things are about to get really bad, um, which yeah. sucks because like, once again, Smash was having a really good run and then this happens. He definitely you know takes the bait and um he shouldn't have to deal with any of this but like kind of like we saw a little bit at the when they were trying to get a loan like smash wants to like cause a scene basically and his mother's like don't don't give in yeah to what people think you're gonna do already and so and he kind of like he falls into that and it, it's it sucks to see because i think that smash has made quite a bit of progress as far as just like maturing and whatnot, but like he still has ways to go. Like he still is very protective and um, obviously like it's just dealing with more racism than anyone should ever endure. Okay. That is brings us to the end of fourth down. Um, do we have any other, I, so my uh, alternate episode title for season two, episode 11 was Insta commit, uh, which I already explained. Why did you have anything for that? Um, that was, was that episode 11? Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's uh the, I mean, the title is jumping the gun, which like in a little bit of a way, like smash is kind of like, um, probably being a little rash with his decision, but you know, I, I, I think, I think that insta commit also fits. Yeah. Um, 
I did not have anything for season two, episode 12. Um, I had, you need Jesus. Um, <laughs> Cause I think a lot of people on the show or a lot of people in this episode really need Jesus. Oh my gosh. We get, uh, this is a, this is a great segue into our first extra point, which is about the Garrity's. Um, Lila is showing is just on a Christian radio show. Uh, Joe, did you watch the, have you ever watched the TV show, the resident? No, but I know we are about to, are we about to talk about Matt Zucri? I didn't know that that's how you pronounce his last name, but yeah, I really, so I, uh, Paige and I watched, my wife and I watched the, re- the, you know, Flex first home, season why don't you? of the resident. What, what my wife. My wife. <laughs> hey, you'll be able to say that before too long. Joe's getting married in December. Um, as long as y'all wear a freaking mask, please um, wear a mask. Y'all so we can get married. <laughs> I'm begging um, y'all. But no, yeah, we watched uh, we watched the first season or so of The Resident a while back, and then ended up dropping it um, because it, it frankly is I, you know not that great of a show. Um, but the main character in that show, who was very good, is this other radio host that Lila is working with. I was going to bring up a different show that Matt Zucri is on, uh, which is, is Gilmore Girls. Um, oh, that's right. He's a Gilmore Girls boyfriend. Um, yeah, he uh, plays Logan Huntsberger, um, and which Logan. is funny because like. I was, I was kind of, I, sometimes when I watch it, like most of the time I'm like taking notes and stuff like that for the podcast, obviously, but like sometimes I'll be looking away and like this time I was looking away when like he appears and I heard the voice and I was like, I know that voice. (laughs) (laughs) He is is the kid. He's like the actor that, you know, whenever he's a kid, he looks exactly like he does now i mean he just he just looks like a, an exactly younger version of himself a lot of, a lot of times i feel like actors you know sort of the way they look changes or whatever and his hair is different but he's very un. it was obvious from the beginning that you know i had seen this actor before and it didn't take long to place it um but yeah he was a good actor he's he's good in the show they kind of small towned him a little bit with like the kind of the way they did his hair so they're just kind of like let's yeah. make you look less nice <laughs> When was Gil? Was this just a little bit before Gilmore Girls? I'm gonna say that this would have been almost concurrent with Gilmore Girls. Yeah, because Gilmore, I think, ended like oh seven. Yeah, oh seven. I think this episode they would have been filming this around at least oh seven, oh eight. So pretty, pretty close. Yeah, maybe a little bit before. Um, but yeah. Man, good um, good stuff with uh, Matt Zuckery. Just give a lot, of, name. a lot of love on the podcast today, but yeah, no, he's a <laughs> he's. A, I mean, first off, like uh, like this is a kind of a fun thing, or not a fun, but like it's a good dynamic, I think, for for Lila, and obviously, like we'll see where this goes, but like right now, it seems really good as far as just like she has found someone that isn't, you know, completely. Uh, I don't want to, th- I don't know. Like just she's, she's found someone that's not, not a total mess. I mean, uh, right. Yeah, like <laughs> it was a little bit more put together. I should Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, who isn't her like choices a, are, I mean, street. Yeah. He's not right. best friend. I was going to say he's not best friends with any of her former boyfriends. So that's good. Um, not an alcoholic. We don't think, um, um, street was good before the injury. Um, and then obviously that blew up. Because of Lila, um, which she did not disclose. She she left that part out of uh, whenever she was telling this guy about her life. Did not bring up the fact that she cheated on her paralyzed boyfriend with his best friend. Yeah, it just, it just didn't come up, man. Um. 
<laughs> she did. She kind of alluded to. It. She's like, I went through some other stuff that I'm not going to get into. Like, <laughs> she kind of. <laughs> maybe that's a red flag for uh, you know. Well, you guys- Lila's going through quite a bit, and like her, her parents are getting divorced, uh, or not divorced, like not divorced, but uh, Pam Garrity is getting married to her they've already gotten divorced like her and that's Betty a good point actually did they get divorced i think yeah they get she's engaged now to i know but did they actually get divorced i'm assuming so i'm sure at some point i don't remember that that actually you know because you can start dating somebody else if you're separated without well you know, they're they're know. engaged now i do want to say real quick um about that because it's not a big plot point but like god what a rough scene for buddy going to uh yeah the house buddies after lila breaks the news on accident because she didn't she doesn't realize that nobody has told buddy yet and buddy says she's actually gonna marry that tree hugger i mean she- who's gonna tell <laughs> buddy though like who, who's going to buddy and saying like hey pam's engaged i mean honestly like lila probably should be the one to do that she did. She, she, well, she, yeah, she did. Um, but just in a more tactful way, I think would have been, would have been smarter Probably uh, so. or better for everybody involved. Um, yeah. So we get that, but speech is actually pretty good. Um, and she says, buddy, I love you too, but it's over, you know, kind of a thing. Um, for a second, I thought that he was maybe going to win her back. Um, he does. <laughs> he tries the power move of like calling her baby and like telling this other guy that he can stand there and watch while he tries to win her back. Like he just doesn't respect this guy at all. Um, and I guess it, I don't know that it backfires necessarily, but it just doesn't end up, you know, his plan doesn't work. He's, he's swinging for the fences for sure. It's just, it's just not there. You know, sometimes it's, you know, you, you did everything you could, but even sometimes, everything you can give isn't enough. So, yep. We talked about Saracen and Carlotta, right? Um, I guess we haven't talked. We have, we have not finished this. Um, Matt, Matt has not been too much in the block. I know we've kind of been over yeah. that, but yeah. Carlotta's going back to uh, Guatemala though, which is a big bummer. Um, and doesn't Saracen doesn't even really get to say goodbye to her. They do have one nice moment at this uh, quinceanera, which Saracen doesn't somehow doesn't know what that is. Um, I was thinking about that. I was like, is that a thing that's not commonly known, but also no, that's is- very common, especially in Texas. You would think, yeah, you would think that they would know that like- Matt's life is very small though. It's football, grandma Saracen, and that's about it. Yeah. But like, I'm just saying like his world is like, I don't not know that big. Yeah. I, I feel like I knew what that was when I was 15 but or 17. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, but yeah, sad for Saracen that he broke up with the uh, Lauren and then immediately his the girl that he chose uh, moves away to a different continent. That's a that's a that's an L. <laughs> Is there a deleted um, scene where Matt's just like, hey, hey Lauren, uh, I want a closed relationship <laughs> with you. <laughs> No, he did. I he didn't really like Lauren. He just liked the uh, I don't I don't know that he liked the idea of her, but he just I think he just liked the attention. This is the last extra point that I've written down here, but we've got uh, 
kind of a rough go of it here for Santiago, uh, which we alluded to earlier. Um, yeah, he's he's really struggling with like one of his friends, Davin, getting out of prison who like just expects Santiago not to have been stagnant with his life and like not have, you know, done anything different and is just ready to kind of jump back into the lifestyle that they had before. So, and he, and rightfully so, I mean, like it would be kind of weird to like get out of prison. Like one of your like closest friends is like now living with this random, you know, car dealership owner and is playing yeah. high school football like that would be a little bit of a shock to the system it would be but you would think that if he was that good of a friend you know he would be happy for him and santiago's like is basically begging this guy to just be happy for him um but he's not you know he's he's i don't want to say is judgmental too harsh of a you know of a way of looking at it of like look like buddy doesn't really you know this guy doesn't really care about you like what does he call him um he calls him fat santa claus or what is what does he call him he calls like him, a, or fat gary f- fat fairy godmother yeah. something like that uh which is a great line yeah but i think it's more so kind of ties into the fact that santiago's just like just be like i got a break like you know just like um yeah and i i think that his the dabbin's just like i i why like it's kind of just like a like you can't thrive like we all have to be unhappy basically <laughs> so yeah yeah, I mean that's that's what we talked about earlier. With sometimes that happens um, in in certain situations, but um, I don't know. Santiago eventually, you know, they have this party because Buddy is trying to be helpful, invites everybody over. The funny scene at the Taylor house where he like brings a box over and is like considering leaving his valuables at <laughs> Coach Taylor's house, but then ends up not doing that, I guess. And then Davin predictably steals his gold watch, which he cares about. Um, and Santiago realizes it and then goes and gets in a fight with Davin. Um, and then I guess, I mean, Santiago wins the fight, but he does take some blows. I mean, he comes back to, uh, to Buddy's house and Buddy's like, oh, my God, what happened? Um, and seems to genuinely care about him. Right? I think it, and, like, that's the thing is, just like, you know, I, I, I do think to a point, like, we've talked a little bit about how manipulative Buddy, uh, Buddy Garrity can be, but, like, um Davin was saying like you know once football's over like how much is this guy actually going to care about and you know i think that if buddy didn't see some potential in santiago to play football i don't think he's necessarily wrong but i do think that yeah. buddy like right now doesn't have a whole lot and i think he probably enjoys the fact that he has someone to take care of because you no know, like yeah. all of his kids and his families rejected him basically yeah um i yeah i think i think i agree agree with that i mean there's no way that buddy and santiago ever end up together if santiago doesn't play football but i do think that it's possible that buddy does at this point genuinely care about him i I think both things are true you know football is what brought them together but at this point um and you know i think going forward we'll see that buddy is genuinely trying to do well um by santiago and like like he said, he caught a break. You know, sucks for Davin, I guess. But um, Santiago caught a break. Um, I did think it was interesting that like I think it was the twelfth episode here that opens up with um, the bowling alley scene where Buddy finds out about um, his wife getting remarried or ex-wife getting remarried. I don't remember Buddy and Lila ever making up. Like last we heard, I'm pretty sure Buddy and Lila or Lila like hated Buddy, and then all of a sudden they're just, yeah, just, just like just back to normal, you know. 
having fun at this bowling alley. There's probably a scene we're forgetting. Another uh, season two writing mistake. There might be. um, That 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 is possible. But I did think it was like I was like, oh, they're they're back together. They're they're happy again. Okay, cool. Um, You want to do awards? Let's do it. As always, we'll start with uh, LVP. I mean, there's only it's it's might as well be named after this person. I th- I think there's only one option, right? I'm every time you do this, I second guess everything that I know. <laughs> so you might as well just tell me who you're thinking. I mean, it's the Julie Taylor LVP okay. award. It has to be Julie, I, right? <laughs> I thought it was Julie. I just want to make sure. I just like I was like I'm pretty sure it's Julie, but like every time you, I just I get a get a little in my head. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely Julie. My second choice here would be Saracen because he was only in the show for like seven minutes of this three-hour block and he got his heart broken, which is a, a tough look. Um, I would have actually said but, Buddy. It might have been LVP. I think, no, I think Buddy redeemed himself a little bit. There, um, the, Like with Santiago stuff, he definitely did. <laughs> but like with like Pam and everything, like I think, uh, I think th- there's some L's taken there. Can I be honest with you? I've got Buddy as my, uh, as an MVP oh, wow. candidate. Okay um yeah i don't I, I think i think he actually had a pretty good episode or a pretty good block here i mean he was a, he was i mean he lost the battle with his ex-wife but i don't know it felt like he did a pretty good job and he didn't make too much of an ass of himself so um monologue of the week uh i'm going with landry at the dance to tyra yeah no debate there i, I think that's clearly we've, um, we've already really gone into that but yeah, yeah i think there's there was nothing better than that uh, insults of the week. Um, there's a lot here. There's smash calling, uh, the twins on the football team, Napoleon dynamite. That was also um, a part of my cringy pop culture reference, but yes, yes, I have that written down as well. Uh, we have, um, Landry calling, uh, that bushy hair kid in the cafeteria fight, Richard Simmons, which is excellent. We have the double wide joke, which you already mentioned. I think my winner, though, is one of the episodes. I think it's the twelfth episode. Opens with um, oh, we didn't talk about Shelly hardly at all. Shelly ends up leaving. That probably should have been an extra point. Um, Shelly is wearing the shirt, and Tammy says, "Oh, I like that." And Shelly says, "The shirt is too sexy for you," <laughs> which is such a mean thing to say to somebody especially a woman that is like given birth recently i feel like it's just a really tough uh tough look but a, a really nice singer for shelly uh and Tammy's not too hurt by it but she's like she's a little bit hurt but not like you know actually offended or anything um what did you what did i miss because the one thing that i was gonna say that i had written down was when they were giving a tour basically of the facilities to larabee and Coach oh, Dickey yeah. kind of makes fun of their weight room, and Coach Taylor says, "The they might not be good enough for your wife, but they were good enough for a state championship last year." Which, yeah, what a flex! <laughs> Just, but then and then the coach comes back and says, "Well, maybe if you'd stayed at TMU, maybe you would have won a national championship." Yeah. Which yeah. is just like screw you, dude! Like <laughs> in front of everybody again. Um, yeah, that's probably that's that's probably it. Uh, that or the the shirt is too sexy for you. I'm I'm good with either. I do. Um, I know we didn't get to talk about Tammy and Sher- uh, Shelly too much, but like they couldn't have casted those two people more perfect to be sisters, or I guess more so Shelly. Yeah. But like, and they had yeah. like such a good dynamic that it did feel like two sisters were fighting. So. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Uh, Matt Saracen overthinking award. Tyra, right for just not just taking Lander to the dance. 
Um, yeah, uh, I think I think that 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 is. I am very much good with that one. Okay, um, cringy pop culture reference of the week. Um, not this isn't necessarily cringy, but um, one of the the thing that Shelly does to get kicked out of the house basically she tapes over Eric's game film with an episode of The Office, yes. which is just incredible. I mean, this show, The Office started in like 2005, yeah. which is, you know, th- I think this show, this season came out in like, what, like 06? 07. Uh, 07? This is supposed to be the I 2007 mean, high school football season. Okay, so we're talking like early Office yeah. here. Because, I mean, this probably would have been shot in 06, so it's only one or two seasons of The Office are out at this point. Um, and they're... I mean, unless it's the British office that uses the same the same theme song. I don't know if the British office They're does both NBC uh, shows, so I think it's some cross-promotion. That's probably fair. But that just aged so well, yeah. right? I mean, people still watch The Office every, you know. People watch The Office is definitely more popular than Friday Night Lights at this point. I think um, it's definitely cringy. But it's maybe oh, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I, th- I think it's definitely cringy from like a, you taped over my VHS. Like that definitely wouldn't happen now. There's also, I yeah. think, also with the Taylor House TV that Tim has the TV on porn when they are going <laughs> to try to watch Oprah, which like that wouldn't really <laughs> probably happen in 2020. Like no one's really watching like th- those channels. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure they are, but like I'm saying, like I, I don't feel like that would be a that would happen yeah. as often. The whole thing with the TV and Tim fixing the cable is great. LVP, um, the, the Taylor household television. <laughs> <laughs> Which the tornado somehow took out? I don't know. Um, another cringy pop culture reference you mentioned, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, the last one that I had was they mentioned, um, so right before they have the conversation about the interracial relationship, all the other kids involved in the families go and play on the Wii. Yes. Yes. Which is just great. I mean, the Wii is a prime mid 2000s. If they would have said Guitar Hero, Um, I would have appreciated it more. But yeah, Wii was so big at this time that. The Wii. And you could tell Smash wanted to go play it because he's like, man, this might be my only chance. Like, I don't, you know, I'm never going to have a game system like that. Um, It was, it was great. I very Um, much enjoyed that you caught that as well. Yeah. You have anything else for that? That's all I got. I guess Richard Simmons is also a a cringy pop role. (laughs) pop culture reference um uh mvp uh who's your mvp um you know i'm sticking to my guns here uh he he had a rough end to the arc but i'm going tim riggins i agree okay i'm, I'm really glad that you do because like yeah. i think that him like kind of calling in to lila's show was like not the best move on tim's part but i think overall like this is one of his oh, yeah, one of his highlights as a character and i think we have to reward him for that yeah, I mean, he he did a lot of good things in this block. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he ends up losing out to uh, to Matt Zucri. Is that, is that how you Zucri, pronounce the yeah. name there? Uh, Zucri. But, you know, I think the thought was there, and it, it does kind of endear him. And he took a lot, you know, got a lot of other Ws in this episode. I, he went like eight and two in this block, right? Like, he protected Julie from the creepy guy. He didn't, ta- you know, you know, what Coach Taylor said to him, you know, about, uh, you know, not letting him think poorly of his daughter, of his daughter is very honorable. Um, he 
scored would have scored the game winning touchdown in the game if not for uh coach dickie he did a lot of great things in this episode still a very high winning percentage um yeah i I think i think he's the clear mvp now i mean he could end up having to pay some consequences for stealing that money from that drug dealer um but we'll see we shall see spencer Um, this has been a whole lot of fun sir yes sir we've got uh we've got one more block of season two and then uh our season two award show and then we will have this um this inferior season behind us it's been a you know we've powered through i think we've done a pretty good job um we did have to take a four-month break so i suppose we shouldn't uh pat ourselves on the back too much <laughs> but we're almost um, through ardmore people know. we're almost through ardmore <laughs> Uh, you want to close this out? Yes, sir. Thank you guys once again for listening to Taylor Made. We're available on all major podcast platforms. If you have the Apple Podcast app, we'd appreciate it if you left a five-star rating and review. For Spencer Davis, my name is Joe Bettner. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose.